What is going on, guys? Today is part one of a five-part series that I'm going to be breaking down exactly how to set up your own specific macronutrient-based diet plan. I'm going to break down the pyramid of importance, which has been made popular by Eric Helms from 3DMJ and Andy Morgan from RipBody.com, both guys who I uh, truly appreciate and respect in the industry, but they have kind of critiqued this into a pyramid of importance. So the most important thing is calories, then macros, then micros, then meal timing, and then supplements. And we work our way up the pyramid, dialing in the uh, amount needed of each and every one of these parts of the pyramid. So with this podcast series, I'm going to try to break down each category of the pyramid, showing you how to set it up and why each one is where it's at. So you have a full understanding of the importance of each. So you can actually diet and see results. I'm going to spend 10 to 30 minutes on each topic and it's going to be broken up into five separate podcasts. So I hope you guys enjoy this. One thing I want to point out before we get started is that this was generated based off of questions I get frequently asked inside the Mind vs. Muscle team page. If you are not in the Mind vs. Muscle team page yet, I highly encourage that you click the link in the show notes now and get in there. I've had a lot of specific questions regarding people's diet, fasting, calories, macros, meal timing, carb cycling, all these different things that people are going through and I can help them actually troubleshoot what they are literally going through in the moment so they can see better results rapidly. That alone is a huge benefit of being in this group and it's completely free right now. So I highly encourage, once again, jump to the link in the show notes. Add yourself into the group. We'll accept you. You be in the community and you can get help from me and Theo, the coaches of Mind vs. Muscle. Without further ado, here's how to set up your specific diet, part one. All right, guys. So, The most important thing, the bottom of the pyramid, step one, level one, is calories. Now, there's a lot of things that influence the diet, and hormones is one of them. And the reason I want to bring this up is because hormones can directly influence how many calories you actually need. And I'm going to talk a little bit about that going forward. But I want to make that disclaimer right at the get-go because I am going to refer to a calorie calculating uh, system or a calculation. And I will put a link in the show notes to a good calculator that you can get online that can help you determine where your caloric needs are going to be because I'm not going to break down the formulas on the podcast. But I want to say that the calculators are great to get a baseline. Once you get that baseline, then you can critique as you go, which I will explain in this podcast as well. But the main thing to take away here is that they are not always exactly where they need to be from the jump. You're probably going to have to adjust and your hormones are going to play a big role in that. Are you recovering? Do you have anything wrong with your thyroid? Is your cortisol too high? Um, what about your adrenal fatigue? Is there is there any issues with your recovery that's damaging your CNS, which can affect your metabolism? And the list goes on. But if you have good functioning hormones, then everything I'm going to talk about should be totally fine. You won't need to adjust anything and you should be good to go. But as you know, things change along the way and that's when adjustments come into play. So first thing we need to talk about when setting your calories is what is your goal? That's the most important thing. And there's three specific goals, sorry, four specific goals that I'm going to go over. Number one is going to be fat loss. Fat loss is its own separate goal. Number two is maintenance. Maintenance means that you are staying where you're at. So fat loss is obviously losing weight, losing body fat, dropping deficit. 
Maintenance is standstill. Maintenance is where we don't move at all. We keep our weight exactly where it's at. We keep our body fat levels essentially where they're at. Um, give or take, depending on where you're at in your training history, you can probably uh, drop body fat without dropping weight. That's a body recomp. But like I said, usually only in beginners. Uh, but that's maintenance, and there's nothing wrong with maintenance. Next is performance. Now, performance is going to be just barely a step above maintenance or at maintenance because most times when we're looking at performance of an athlete specifically, we don't need to change our weight too much. If you're in a weight class sport, then you want to take into play uh, where your weight's at, but at the same time, you're most likely going to want to stay around maintenance because you don't want too many fluctuations because that can harm your performance. Whether you're gaining too much fat or weight uh, in a sport that you need to be agile and athletic and uh, explosive, whatever it may be, or you're in the opposite and you need to keep weight on in order to hold your own in your sport, whether that's powerlifting or football. And then next, we have mass. So if you're looking to gain size, and I'm going to talk a little bit about lean gains versus bulking because I am a, a firm believer that bulking is dead. I think that bulking is a improper way to gain weight. And if we choose to bulk, quote unquote, then what we're doing in this sense is taking a rapid approach to gaining weight, which can be unhealthy on our joints. It can be very unhealthy on our gut. It can be uh, something that causes too much fat gain. The list goes on. It's not recommended and most people do not do that anymore. That's why lean gaining is such a big thing because we want to take a slow approach. If we take a slow approach, we're more likely to hold on to those gains. So the next thing I want to talk about, fat loss is the quickest goal by far. And I say that because fat loss is a hell of a lot easier than putting on muscle. Putting on muscle mass, so gaining weight in good mass, especially if we're talking about the slow lean gain like I was just referring to, it takes longer because it's harder to do. And because it takes longer, you need to be more consistent and more patient, which makes it even harder to do on top of it being hard to train hard and elicit that change in your body. Um, If we look at what muscle is, it's a type of tissue. And if we look at what fat is, it's a type of tissue. You do not have to try very hard to add a lot of fat tissue to your body versus having to train in a way to add a lot of muscle tissue. Now, that can be very challenging. So I want to make that very clear because you need to know what your goal is and you need to know the timeline. If You you can have a three-month fat loss goal and it might be equally equal to a six-month muscle gain goal and it really is double on that. Maintenance is pretty much a standstill, like I said, so keeping your weight in check. So this this goal is pretty easy because you don't have to change too much. You figure out your calories, you figure out your macros, you figure out what you need to do energy expenditure-wise, so training and performance, to maintain your goal, and then you just stay there. So what I suggest is setting specific performance goals while you're in that. Having a maintenance goal can be pretty boring. Hoping that your scale just doesn't change is not a very exciting and enticing journey to embark down. But for some people, it's really important. And I would suggest that every person that diets for a longer period of time actually has a maintenance phase. And the reason I say that is because if we diet for too long, our hormones are going to take a bad crash and we are not going to be able to keep fat off. So for most people, the smartest route to go is actually just a diet from anywhere between one to three months, ideally two to three months so you can have more time but unless you're doing a mini cut. But the point is you you hit the diet hard, you give it your all, you put in effort and then you spend one to two months at least in a maintenance phase where you're not working on gaining weight but you're not working on losing weight either. You're letting your hormones recalibrate. You're letting your muscle resynthesize. You're letting everything calm down, your recovery go up, your metabolism to increase and after that one to two month period is done, you go right back to, to dieting. 
In an ideal world, somebody signs up with me as a client with the goal of losing weight over a six to 12 month period. And then I can periodize their fat loss to where we're losing fat for one to two weeks. And then we are uh, maintaining, uh, I'm sorry, one to two months. And then we are maintaining for one to two months back and forth, maybe two to three, depending on how many, uh, how much weight you have to lose. But the point is, is maintenance is an important phase. Now, because fat loss is an easier switch to kind of turn on and off, we can create bigger deficits and take a more aggressive approach than we can with surplusing. And, and I'm kind of harping on this because I want everybody to be clear. Big surpluses lead to mass gains, both in fat and muscle, which slows us down long term. It slows our hormones down. It slows our results long down because just like I talked about with implementing maintenance phases of your diet, you have to implement fat loss phases of your gaining because you're gaining too much fat in the process that you have to stop and take a step back and try to lose body fat for one to two months. And we know exactly how this panned out for a lot of bodybuilders in the past. Not very well because in the process of losing body fat, they lost muscle as well. So they go up and down, not truly achieving the physique they want to achieve when instead they could just take the slower route, never hit a fat loss phase and spend anywhere between 6 to 12 months gaining pure muscle slowly. And I know that seems like a long time, but if you commit to that process, the results are so much better. So we have to think about that when we're considering our goals. The next thing I want to talk about. Controlling your results via energy expenditure or uh, energy deficit through nutrition is going to be the best way to go versus movement and energy expenditure through training and cardio and things like that. It's the easiest adjustable factor and that's the biggest thing. We can easily tweak nutrition and elicit change. We have to go a lot of out of our way to uh, change cardio and training in order to create such a deficit that we actually lose more weight than what we're already doing right now. What that can also do is harm hormones more. It can spend more time away from your loved ones, the things you like to do and enjoying your life, and more time in the gym and training, which is not a good way to live. It creates a bad relationship with food and training, and you can really harm your recovery, which can fuck up your central nervous system, your metabolism, your testosterone, your cortisol and stress hormones, everything across the board. So I want to make that clear because the whole point of setting up your specific diet podcast series is so that you guys understand that this is the easiest way to elicit massive changes in your body composition. And if we can focus on specifically changing our calories and macros across the board as we diet and we can work up this pyramid I'm breaking down, then we can elicit change for a long period of time and continually adjust along the way to make sure that we never stop progressing without really changing our our routine of training. See, a lot of my clients, our ideal setting is we lift Four to five days a week and we strength or we do cardio one to two days a week. Rest one day and that's it. See, the point here is that everything we're expending comes from diet and training minimal effective dose. So we train enough to build muscle, maintain muscle, build strength and have fun in the gym and not overtrain ourselves. And then the rest is all on our nutrition and actually on our recovery and sleep. It's a very, very very big piece of this and a big key that you need to understand if you plan on dieting for a long period of time or really chasing the physique you want to chase. So now that we got that out of the way, one more piece I need to talk about with uh, training splits is balance and consistency of your training splits is a key. 
I want to uh, talk about that again real quick because one of the biggest things is that if if we constantly expect to adjust or progress or implement more training versus cutting more calories or tweaking our meal timing or tweaking our supplements or tweaking our macros, uh, making an intermittent fasting day, all these things I'm going to be talking about, we can really damage our central nervous system like I just spoke of. We can really damage our recovery. And when we damage our recovery, our body – kind of freezes its ability to fat burn so it, it kind of shuts off it goes into fat storage mode or survival mode or however you ever want to call it and it stops allowing us to burn fat the same process goes with our gains when our when our hormones shut down and do not let us to fully recover we stop rebuilding tissue remember when you're in the gym you are not anabolic. You are creating damage to the muscle. You are breaking down tissue, which means you're not growing in the gym. You're breaking down. You grow when you when you recover. And that's why I'm so big on not going over the top. 90% of your training should have two to three reps left in the tank. You should all have a rest day. You should be getting more sleep. You should focus on nutrition. All these things is pretty big, okay? So the next part we got to talk about is how do you set up your calories, okay? And why do you need to do that first? So the biggest reason we need to do this first is because calories in versus calories out truly is the biggest prime mover in weight loss. It's thermodynamics. It's uh, it's science. <laughs> it's math. It, it, it's whatever you want to call it. But the point is, is if we can burn or create a deficit more of what we're taking in, it's an equation that just makes sense and it never fails. Now, again, there's many things that come into play. And when I'm coaching somebody, there's so many different factors that I have to constantly implement and change and tweak along the way to make sure that they continually see progress. Because it's not as easy as just cutting calories every single week until they get to the goal. But it all starts behind the principles of calories in versus calories out. I don't care if you're the healthiest person in the world. I don't care if you only eat organic foods. I don't care if you have the best, smartest training program in the world. If you are not in a calorie deficit, you will not lose weight. And if you are not in a slight surplus or a beginner at minimum maintenance calories, you will not gain weight. Plain and simple. On top of that, if performance is your number one goal, meaning if you need to perform on the field, on the court, in the gym, whatever it may be, and you are in a deficit, you will not perform as good as you can, period. Because your body will not allow you to build muscle and produce more output than what you have in the past if you do not have sufficient energy. And energy is calories. So I think it's really crucial for anybody looking for performance goals to understand that you need to be at maintenance or above in order to chase that. So I see a lot of people who want to get stronger and bigger and lose body fat. And it's just not possible unless you're in the first one to maybe two years of your training career. If you've been training for longer than two to three years, then you need to realize that you might want to take a maintenance phase to focus on your strength and then try to maintain your strength or your performance while you cut and then go back to the maintenance phase of calories or surplus in order to gain muscle and strength and performance. Okay, It's a very simple process. It's just confusing to the masses because a lot of us want multiple goals, which I understand. I would love to build more muscle and get shredded. It's just It just doesn't work that way, <laughs> unfortunately. Okay, so now we're clear. Calories is the first thing on the pyramid. It's the base. It's the foundation. It's it's literally the pillars that hold up the building. It is the bottom of the pyramid, the biggest part of this. And what that means is that if you're starting from ground zero, you've never trained, you've never uh, done a nutrition plan, you've never dieted, you would be totally fine locking in a basic exercise protocol and just setting a calorie deficit. So track where you're at now, create a deficit. And then watch the results happen.
obviously macronutrients being dialed in helps a ton because that's going to affect your hormones, your performance, your recovery, so on and so forth. Um, but we'll get that to later. My point is simple. Calories are the most important no matter most important no matter who you are and how long you've been training. And they're the easiest one thing to track. So if you're starting from ground zero, I highly suggest you stop right here and just start tracking your calories. Now we're going to talk about how to set up those calories. There's two ways to go about this. Number one is the most ideal way in the way that I typically use with clients. Start by tracking what you're currently doing. If you track your current diet and you don't change a thing and you know that you're eating 2,500 calories on a daily basis and you want to lose body fat, you can easily just drop those calories and start seeing the results rather than having to use a calculator because if we track our calories for seven days in a row and we take the average, we know that we are not losing weight and we were at that specific caloric intake. That only means one of two things. Either one, we're maintaining our weight, so that's our maintenance calories, or two, we are actually gaining weight every week, getting fatter, and we are in a surplus. If we are in a surplus, we should probably cut a little bit more. If we are on a – if we are maintaining, then we should probably cut a little bit less because you won't need as drastic of a change. And the least drastic change possible is the best. So we want to make the minimum effective dose in in other words. So step one, if you can't – If you can, track your calories now and then create a deficit. Anywhere between 100 to 500 calorie deficit is going to give you the results you want to see. When I get a client, I take their current caloric average and then I adjust from there. Whether I keep them at the same caloric intake and just adjust their macro so they're eating more protein, which is more thermogenetic, and they're going to see better results from that, or I create a bigger caloric deficit. I'll get more into the macro side in a bit on the next podcast, but for now, let's just talk about calories. The next way to do it is go to a calculator. I'm going to put a link in the show notes that gives you a good one that I recommend, one that you can trust and breaks down calories for you. Now, now what I notice a lot is people enter their information in these calorie uh, calculators and they go, holy shit, I'm not eating nearly enough. So they start eating the amount that these calorie calculators tell them to and they start gaining weight when their, their goal was fat loss. The issue with some of these is they don't take hormonal uh, and metabolic adaptation into play. So if you are overweight and you consistently eat under your calorie limit and then once a week you binge, that means your your metabolism is actually regulated to a very low calorie intake. So let's say you're supposed to be eating 2,000 calories a day according to this calculator, but you were consuming 1,200 on a daily basis and then on the weekend you binge with burgers and beer and everything. Your metabolism is adjusting and and adapting to 1,200 calories and then you give it such a big surplus on the weekend that your metabolism can't catch up so it stores excess calories as body fat and that's why you're stuck where you're at, okay? So this is the case where you might not want to use a calculator. If you notice that right off the bat, go off of what you're currently doing or seek help from a coach. Or if you know you're drastically under eating, use the calculator and slowly work up to that number and stay diligent on the weekends. If you really want to see fat loss, you have to be good on the weekends as well. It's just, it, it's just a fact of life and dieting, I should say. So what this means is let's say you set up the calculator and it gives you 2,000 calories, but you're currently doing 1,200, but you know that you binge on the weekends. 
I would highly suggest that you bump it up to 16 to 1800 calories that first couple weeks. Let a couple pounds hit your body. Don't stress that. But just make sure that you stay at those calories on the weekend as well instead of having a super high calorie uh, surplus on the weekends and not during the week. Your weight will jump up at first and then it will immediately after one to two weeks start to taper down and you will consistently lose weight once you do this process if you stay diligent on the weekends. But figuring out your calories, the, the calculators work pretty simply. simple. You first figure out your BMR, which is going to be 370 plus 9.8 uh, times your uh, lean mass in pounds, which it sounds confusing over a podcast. So just go to the calculator in the, uh, the show notes and you'll understand. Then you adjust for your activity level. So whether you're sedentary or you're extremely active, there's a calculation set to take your BMR plus your activity level and it'll give you how much you're supposed to be, uh, in, which is basically going to give you your total daily energy expenditure. So how much you're burning on a daily basis. Then we have to set weight loss or weight uh, gain targets. Then you're going to determine what your weight loss goal is uh, or your surplus. And I usually recommend anywhere between 100 calories to 500 calories per day deficit. Um, the easiest way to tell for me personally is if I get a client who is not under-consuming calories but not losing any weight, I will look at their macronutrients. And if I know that they are not consuming not even half as much protein as they should, I will keep them at the calories they're at or only adjust by – dropping at 100 calories, then I will bring up their protein enough to make up for those calories. Therefore, they're staying at a good caloric intake, but they're getting better macronutrients. Again, I'm going to talk more about that on the next podcast. If you are going for a a surplus and you want to gain weight, I only suggest adding 100 to 250 calories. And if you're a really skinny guy who really needs to gain weight and it's damn near impossible to gain fat, you can push that all the way up to 500 at most. But any more than that, you are truly going to start gaining body fat. And in my opinion, it's just not worth it. If it's not muscle, what's the point of gaining weight? There is none. Then we want to adjust as we go. Now, it's important to understand what the best rate of loss actually is when it comes to losing weight. So if we look at a week-to-week basis, we really only want to lose 0.25, so a quarter of a pound, up to three pounds per week. Anything more is going to be a lot of water weight, a lot of glycogen weight, um, or just toxins releasing your body. And that does happen the first week or two of dieting for people who have never dieted before. But if you consistently lose that much weight, you're really going to be harming your body, and I do not suggest it. This also looks like 0.5 to 1% of your body weight. Super simple. So if you're 200 pounds and you lose 1% of body weight, that's two pounds a week. Super simple, super healthy, and you can stay consistent. That's the big key here. If you can maintain this for more than a couple weeks, then you're golden because you can keep seeing the weight loss. And that's really all we want here, right? For rate of gain, if you're a beginner and you've only been training for Never or up to a year, you can gain two to three pounds a month of pure muscle. Studies have proven it. And any more than that, you're probably on steroids. Um, Any less than that, you're just not training hard enough or not eating properly. So I definitely suggest for a lot of beginners, that's one thing I wish I really would have done. I struggled to build muscle at the beginning because I didn't know how to train. I did something completely different in the gym every single time. I didn't know how to eat. I didn't know how to set up my macros. And I had to learn as I go, went by myself, which is what inspired me to be a coach and help others eventually. But if you're a beginner listening to this and you want to build muscle, I highly suggest you reach out to a coach, reach out to Theo or I, figure out a way to dial in your training and your nutrition in a specific fashion so you can actually see the gains that you could potentially be seeing. 
if you are an intermediate, meaning you've been training for anywhere between two to four years, I would say, you can gain one to two pounds a month of pure muscle. So that's about 0.5 pounds a week, quarter of a pound a week. And if we look at, it might not seem like a lot, but if you look at a steak, look at a one pound steak, that's a lot. If you put one or two of those across your body per month for a year and you stayed consistent at everything you're doing, you had a coach dial you in across that whole period, you would be one jacked motherfucker by the end of that year, period. And advanced individuals, unfortunately, you're going to uh, only gain zero to 0.5 pounds per month. Like that's really all that you have the potential of doing. And it's just, it, it's a creature or it's a, it, it's, a creature of habit, right? It's it's a result of training for so long that your body can only do so much with its own genetic potential. And as you reach closer to your genetic potential, it becomes more hard and difficult uh, to push those gains. And you really have to be smarter about your recovery, smarter about your nutrition, and smarter about your training in that order in order to gain more weight. Last but not least, we want to talk about calorie adjustments. So now we know why calories are so important. We know that it's the first step of what we need to do in order to set up our diet. We know how to set up our calories by either recording where we're at now and then dropping a little bit and or bringing our protein up to about body weight so we can create a deficit or we use the calculator, which I will put in the show notes. So we have our calories. Now, how do we adjust? We've gone two to three weeks. We lost a pound. We lost two pounds. Week three, we lost three pounds. Let's say week four, we lost one pound. Week five, we lost no pounds. Do we adjust? I would say no. A good rule of thumb is don't adjust anything until two full weeks of plateauing has occurred. The the thing is, is weight especially can fluctuate so drastically, but so can body fat because body fat measurements are just not that accurate. And we got to remember that hormones, sleep, stress, uh, food intake, food bulk in your system, digestion, how much training you're doing, your central nervous system, you can train really hard and actually not lose weight because your body's trying to hold on to glycogen to recover, which is a good thing. So I see a lot of people who we push it for three weeks and they don't lose any weight and then we taper off and do a deload for one to two weeks and they, they actually lose weight in those deloads or or vice versa, they start gaining weight because we allow their body to recover. So there's a lot of things that come into play. And one week is just not enough data or metrics to show us that we should make a change. But if we hit two weeks in a row and we have not lost any weight or we have a deadline that we need to push the weight and we need to adjust something, there's some rule of thumbs that we want to consider. Number one, 5% weekly Increase or decrease to your calories is the first go-to. So if you're not in a drastic hurry, like you're in this for life, you want to achieve your body, and you know that you want to get to the result, and then you'll worry about maintaining that result once you get there, but you're not necessarily in a hurry to get there, my suggestion and my rule of thumb is a 5% decrease. So you take your weekly caloric intake. So if you're doing 2,000 calories a day, every single day, seven days a week, that means your weekly caloric intake is 14,000 calories. What that means is that we're going to want to take 5% of that. Now, I'm going to bust out my calculator because I'm horrible at math. That's 100 calories a day. Pretty simple. That's 25 grams of carbs. Super simple. Not that much, but it makes a big difference. Okay. Now, you can do this with fat as well. What I would suggest is take these uh, this 5% calorie increase or decrease and take it away or add it into the most important macronutrient. And I'm going to get into this in the macro podcast that you should be using. So if you're gaining, carbs is going to be your main macronutrient. So I would add it to carbs. If you're losing, you can go back and forth. 
If you're below 20% of your calorie intake from fat, then you're not going to want to take it from fat. If you are above that, you can if you love your carbs, but you got to make sure you have a balance. So my suggestion is take it from carbs first, then go back to fat, then carbs, then fat, and just make sure that you have a good balance of both because they are both equally important. Fat is going to be a little more important for hormones, so you need to make sure that you have some in there. But the point is, is you're taking 5% away from your daily and or weekly caloric intake in order to adjust for more fat loss when you hit a plateau. If you need to make a drastic change because you have a deadline or you want to see some serious results quick, you can bump that up to 10 to 15%. If you're doing a mini cut, you can actually bump this up to 25 to all the way up to 30%, but this is a very temporary thing, and I do not suggest anybody listen to this. Does a mini cut without a coach because they're only supposed to last anywhere between two to eight weeks maximum, and you should only attempt a mini cut where you're dro- dropping up to 30% calories if you are in a very healthy hormonal place, meaning you are consuming a good amount of calories and maintaining your weight. And then last but not least, slow slash lean gaining, you're only going to want to increase your calories 3 to 6%. This is what I really recommend for people gaining weight. If you want to stay lean in the process and gain pure muscle, only adjust and bump up your calories 3 to 6% in order to break through that plateau. All right, guys. So with that being said, we have everything you need to know about calories. If you have questions, jump in the Mind vs. Muscle team page. Ask me right away. I will help you troubleshoot everything. Obviously, I have a rant style of talking. So as I go through this, I'm really just busting out the facts as I go and speak in my mind. So if anything didn't make sense to you, you want to dial in things specifically for you, I highly suggest that you either email me or the team at mindversmuscle at gmail.com or me at cody.mcbroom at boomboomformance.com or jump in our Mind vs. Muscle team page, which there is a link for all these things in the show notes. I want to help you guys as much as possible, and some of this stuff can be confusing. So all you have to do is reach out. Thank you guys so much. Don't forget to leave us a five-star rating and review on iTunes. We really appreciate it because it helps us grow and it helps us deliver more content to you all. I'll catch you next time with the macro part two. If you love the Mind vs. Muscle podcast, want more free content, and you want to support the movement, share this podcast and leave us a five-star rating and review. To get your questions answered on the next episode, see the show notes for our social media handles and hashtag mind versus muscle.